0: Welcome to another episode of IRI Growth Insights Podcast. I'm Joan Driggs, and today I'm joined by Scott Scanlon, Executive Vice President of the Beverage Alcohol Vertical here at IRI. Um, Truly one of the funner people in the company because he lives and breathes um, a topic that, well, me as a beverage alcohol consumer, can really relate to, but he just provides so much insight and things into we don't what we don't consider about everything from distribution to innovation um to just what's happening in the broader world and the impact that beverage alcohol is having on it and vice versa. So Scott, I want to jump in and talk about what happened with beverage alcohol throughout the pandemic because that is one of those things where the the those tectonic plates have really changed dramatically
1: yeah and thanks for that uh opening Joan really appreciate it I am privileged to be able to speak to one of the fun categories at IRI throughout CPG so what happened to the pandemic not unlike traditional CPG Baval saw a big rise for the we brought the party home right so What happens when a lot of bars and restaurants and on-premises close down? People aren't going to necessarily consume less beverage alcohol. They just consume it at different places. To a higher degree, people were consuming it at home. Just like people were cooking more at home, people were having more drinking occasions at home. Cocktails was really one of the biggest benefactors of pandemic. Now, like we talk about in all categories, the pandemic didn't necessarily start new trends, but it added fuel to trends that were already in place. We saw that in beverage alcohol space. We saw spirits already rising prior to the pandemic. Pandemic hit, it didn't slow that trend. It just fueled it. So spirits rose to a higher degree. And there were times during that pandemic, people would say, What is rising in spirits? Just throw a dart and you're going to hit something that's rising, right? You would see the charts. Everything was green. The comps were huge, bigger than we've ever seen. Probably a once in a lifetime rise. And and I think we would all hope that it's a once in a lifetime because hopefully we're not going to have to experience that type of thing again. Um, Consumers also discovered e-commerce for beverage alcohol. Now, when we talk about e commerce and beverage alcohol, it is still a very low base that we're speaking about. And there are many reasons for it. Uh, beer, for example, is heavy. People want it cold. Um, people want to peruse the eye when they're looking at wine, in terms of spirits. And there are some legal reasons why. So, at first, obviously, you had to be home, had somebody at 21 or over to sign for that product. So we've been able to get through some of that through the um, efficiencies of technology, and we get time that release. We could have products be more localized. But there are many things that even on some sites, some people I can order. I have the benefit, uh, benefit of being able to order from multiple sites, including Amazon Fresh and Have Beverage Alcohol, but somebody that's just two towns away for me, cannot. Mm. So there's many limiting factors on um, e-commerce, but we saw that rise during the pandemic. But the the key thing that people ask about now is what's wrong with Bevel? Why are we seeing it pull back? Why are those comps not strong? And the real answer for that is that the, the growth trajectory was just unsustainable. We just saw, just like many things, you look at the stock market, we'll have a Huge rise, it's going to eventually fall. Many things just cannot continue at the comps rate that we were going. Eventual pullback is to naturally be seen, and that's what we saw with Beverage Alcohol.
0: But it still is, you know, I'm I'm going to take a stab here and you can correct me, but I think it still is higher than it was pre pandemic because we still are consuming more at home than we were earlier. Is that correct?
1: Without a doubt. Without a doubt, we are still higher. So what we're looking at now. We were looking at it from a comps growth. Um, traditionally, we look at a yearly, look at that semi-annually, and then we were down to obviously weekly view of where we are from a, a growth perspective. Now we're trying to look at that, just to your point, prior to pandemic, during the pandemic and post-pandemic, which obviously is always a, a moving target on one that um, is or will be, depending upon one's view of that. But you're absolutely right. The uh, the dollar sales for sure are much higher, mm-hmm. um, volumetric as well.
0: So I want to unpack a lot of what you said because you you know jumped from spirits consumption to um, e-commerce, um, and I, I want to know from your point of view were there some things that were with all that experimentation with cocktails. You know, we I, I talk often about the whole new generation of cooks, and I see the same thing happening. With approach to cocktails, people were experimenting more and going and looking for recipes. Was there a spirit in particular, or a couple spirits in particular, that you saw really take off as part of this cocktail at home um, experience?
1: Yeah, there certainly were some key brands. Definitely did, but just to speak to it at a macro level, we saw the rise of tequila to high degrees. The so tequila has been growing, and it, it just exploded during the pandemic premium tequila um, in particular really had a great rise and um, now more recently we're seeing a pivot to uh, seltzer-based or RTD-based beers, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: that has really changed from what I'll call the legacy seltzers or RTDs and it's hard to sometimes a moniker of legacy on products that have roughly been born about four years ago <laughs> 45 years ago but uh, so what what we're definitely seeing is the rise of some of those spirit-based rtd seltzers that are starting to enrich the what was traditionally a malt-based market for yeah. um seltzer products so
0: that's definitely a change and then um I think it was like the high noon sunsips was one of our our pace setters um, for beverage alcohol. Yeah.
1: High noon growth is um at a rate that I, I didn't necessarily think that I would see a product be able to climb to to the level that it has so quickly. Um just to go into that for a brief moment, High Noon is nearly hitting into the big three within spirits. That has dominated that category for many years. So to think that a product could be born and rise all the way up from a brand perspective up to nearly the top three in such a short amount of time is remarkable.
0: Yeah. Number four. It was I just looked it up. Number four with sales of more than a hundred million dollars in its first year. That's it's remarkable.
1: It's amazing to see something like that. It just really touched on what you had called out that. We're wanting to see from a consumer base just new products they really gravitate towards those blended drinks it, it is a um, product born again with a lot of natural juices as well as that spirit base that people are now wanting more than the others and, and i'm not trying to diminish the value within beer we we've definitely seen some resurgence within beer during the pandemic it is premiumized even further, as all categories had. People want that full flavor in beer, and that's what we've really seen. And wine is the category that has struggled the most. And it is somewhat surprising because going into the pandemic, one would assume wine would flourish because people were at home and they were consuming their meals at home. It is an opportunity to provide put that wine bottle on the table. Right. The sustainability of, of spirits in particular has really taken some of that wine sales.
0: Well, you know, I, I have to say throughout the pandemic, and this is maybe going back to your e-commerce and my personal behavior, you know, panel mm-hmm. one over here, but it was, um, utilizing e-commerce click and collect and mostly for wine, um, for my household. And, and while I admit that I haven't kept up with it, I learned a lot more about other spirits going online for that click and collect. Like I think that the um the manufacturers working with their retail partners did a really impressive job. And I see that as being more of a legacy of the pandemic experience of going online, learning more, getting more of these recipes and things, learning about new beers. Um, that's been, you know, that's actually something that I see has legs.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think you're really uh, talking about some of the IRI e-commerce products. And when you're speaking about it and, and the rise of the digital shelf, consumers being able to look at a product virtually almost as if you're holding it in your hand inside of a store. And, and there are a number of retailers that we've highlighted which have done an exceptional job, again, born really throughout the pandemic. Uh, Regarding their e commerce platforms and their ability to get those products to consumers on a localized level. Um, One such, again, for suburban locations in particular, um, not to diminish the benefit within um, city areas, but Target has just done a remarkable job. And in the beverage alcohol space, that's no less. It it started to offer the um, click and collect, really opportunity in mid-year 2001 where one could order that product online and then go drive up and pick that up hit that button that, that most of you most people have to open up the back hatch have them load the product show them that you're 21 to so be able to sign for that product and it has provided a great opportunity like you said for many wine consumers but then also branching it off um, beyond wine and beverage uncle.
0: You know, there was, um, you mentioned that wine sales weren't as robust. That's a tough thing to break into. And there was one line, again, on, on our pace setters, um, a little further down on the list, but very high, the highest selling single wine we've ever seen in pace setters. And that was Snoop Dogg's um, 19 Crimes Cali Red. And what that did that I find so remarkable is that it brought in about 400,000 new. 400, 000 new Um, consumers to the beverage alcohol category, you know, mostly um, male, um, more multicultural. And I'm wondering what lesson you saw in that and what opportunity you see in that? Because as you mentioned, wine hasn't been keeping pace with growth of some of these other like spirits or beer.
1: Yeah, I I think the greatest um, lesson to be learned is be able to branch out that traditional consumer set that we think of for a category, you called it out. That that brand has been remarkable. That was able to pull in such an African-American demographic that would not be traditionally consuming that brand or even that varietal of wine in particular. So for it to be able to expand that reach. It is again just remarkable, similar to the High Noon story. I think Cali Red has has just been a phenomenal brand, as many of our, our brands have seen. And um, you called out some of our new product pace setters, and it just speaks to really though the challenges that beverage alcohol has vying for that share of throat or share of sip think about it so our our new product setters highlights eight out of ten of the products are ones that one drinks and if you dig to the next level so not saying the products that were launched in the most recent year but some of those products that are even newer the rising stars six out of ten of those are products that you drink so when one thinks about the competition it's not only CSDs that we traditionally thought of it's also the rtd teas coffees and then perhaps the more recent disruptors if you will are think of all of the waters that one has either ones that are infused with vitamins infused coconut water or just traditional water bottled and the energy and sports drink has just taken off in the last decade or so. That one would never have thought of all of these compete with that share of throat that beverage alcohol is vying for. So that competition is just getting ever so more crowded.
0: But it's but again, I think the innovation that we're seeing in beverage alcohol is kind of keeping pace with that because, as you mentioned, so many of these drinks, whether it's with it, whether it's bev Elk or non alk. Um, they have some kind of a better for you angle. You know, I think of all the hard seltzers, and a lot of those are, you know, lower calorie or with a shot of vitamin C or antioxidants. Um, you know, I, I can think of Vizy, for example. Um, really, why wouldn't you want the one with anti, you know, with antioxidants? So, talk to me a little bit about um, some of the better for you or even low alcohol, and where that's going
1: better for you is a trend that is hitting all categories so it's not just a traditional energy bar that one thought of years ago or perhaps again the water's king off of that better for you is even in categories that one would never have thought of hitting better for you ice cream is hitting right so beverage for you better for you snacks and beverage alcohol is not um, immune from that trend so people are just more conscious of what they're putting in one's body for everything so when they're thinking about alcohol again similar to e-commerce it is off of a relatively low base but the percentage growth of low and no alcohol products is rising dramatically each year it continue to rise through the course of the pandemic People just don't, they, they want to try, or they want to continue to consume, they want to continue to enjoy, but they're more conscious of, do I really want to consume that much alcohol, or do I want to be able to consume alcoholic-like beverages? So that trend has increased um, yearly. In the double digits, we're seeing a 20, 30% growth. It, it really is a trend that is very high in Europe. So yeah. it's one that has crossed over. That's where uh, we saw a lot of the low in alcohol, alcohol products start.
0: You know, in fact, because you just raised another point in talking about, you know, being more conscious of what you're consuming. And even though we're in kind of a tough economic situ- situation right now, premium products continue to do well. And to me, that speaks to, I might not be consuming as much, but I'm going to really make that a special occasion when I am having something to drink.
1: Yeah, I've been calling it the mini vacation that people are (laughs) to have, right? It's the affordable indulgence is a term we've used for many years. And that is one of the reasons why I continue to believe beverage alcohol will be insulated to a higher degree than other categories with any kind of uh, inflationary pressures. One, I think the argument is still out there whether we're in recessionary times or not, but um, throughout recessions of the past, be it either in 2000, 2007, 2008 time, alcohol has continued to prove more resilient. One of those reasons are people want to treat themselves. And they're not wanting to, to give up that beverage alcohol product of choice, especially once they started to get used to that. They realize, wow, this is really a better product um, as, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm willing to pay a little bit more for that. So the previsation continues, right? However, I continue to think that. While pre is going to stay an important factor within beverage alcohol, I believe that we will experience a bifurcated market. I think that especially if some of the, um, you know, the data points to less jobs, that's what's going to really fuel, I believe, the value brands. So Department of Labor just came out with that um, data last week, and I know that it was somewhat makes people were surprised to see some of those results. So there is some confusion, I think, in the space of whether premium will continue to rise or will we see a resurgence of value like we did during that 07, 08 period mm-hmm. where value did start to come back. I believe it's still a little bit too early to tell. And again, I think that the number one factor will be employment. That is going to be tough on people's mind. However, that being said, gas prices is one, depending upon the sustainability of that rise. That's something that people see every day, right? So when they drive by it, it hits them like a billboard. It's that price. How much am I going to have to pay for at the pump? So that extra $20, it starts to resonate with people as they pass that by and say, well, do I really want that premiumized product? I think that beverage alcohol will remain. I think what people are more apt to give up are perhaps some of their organic fruits and vegetables than they are for their premium beverage alcohol.
0: You know, it, the difference um, I see with between the Great Recession and our current economic situation is that we weren't, um, what happened in the Great Recession is that people just went out less. But we've been, you know, they're not going to bar, they weren't going to bars and restaurants. That was a, a great cost savings uh, measure for them. But the fact is, is that throughout the pandemic, we've already been at home. And I, I feel that even when you do go out, maybe the cost of um, on-premise, you know, again, a meal or a drink, maybe the, the inflation hasn't been as high there. It's still high. You know, I'm, I'm shocked um, in the times that I've gone out how much more we're paying so to me, having that, keeping the party at home, as you said, is still more affordable to me than um, resuming out-of-home entertainment or consumption.
1: Well, you're you're really pointing to uh, my maya culpa moment, Joan, because uh, the beginning of this year in January, an industry conference, I proclaimed that on-premise was going to have a big resurgence. And we are going to see the bounce-back factor from on-premise. Now, uh, I guess in my defense, I will point to a lack of vision of a Russia-Ukraine war, uh, lack of vision of um, rise again in COVID cases, and uh, lack of vision of um, Federal Reserve having some unprecedented three-quarter rate hikes uh, double now, I guess we'll be seeing so, um, I didn't predict those factors coming into 2022, which is why I did think that we were going to get a huge bounce. So, to your point, um, because of those and some other factors, on premise has that balanced the level. Now, the other piece, as you point out, inflationary view. So, even though on premise prices have not accelerated to the level that off premise has, it is still more expensive to eat out. Everyone knows that. And um, the other factor, though, that is is really top of mind consumers, and it's felt every time one goes to the on-premise location, that experience is not what it used to be.
0: Couldn't agree more. Yep.
1: There's not as much of a wait staff. There's not as many servers. There's not as many um, cooks. There's not as many people to greet you. And and one looks around and says, well, there's empty tables. Well, they can't staff enough to fill all those tables. So people are left thinking, wow, I'm paying this much money to go out. My experience is less. Shouldn't we just now now people are more used to becoming home mixologists. Well, I I know how to make those beverages. And they've expanded their their cookbook quite a bit to be able to cook at home. Well, why don't we just do that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to continue to resonate with consumers. Trust me, there's still people still want to go out, right? We are we are creatures that want to be around others. We want that experience to be able to go out. We want to be able to socialize. So that's not going to go away. But the degree that we do that your initial point, is probably going to lessen. Yep,
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. So, okay, so we've talked a lot of, you know, about how things have changed so dramatically, and we've talked about maybe some of the headwinds um, for the industry, but where are some of the opportunities? You know, um, you said, like, the better for you is still a pretty small piece, but do you see a lot of opportunity for innovation there? Um You don't think premium is going to go away? Is there something more there or do we look to value? Tell us what you see coming down the pike.
1: Yeah, I think that there's really four areas of opportunity that I would highlight. Um, I don't think one could talk about beverage alcohol space without talking about RTDs. And it really branches into the fact that convergence Convergence of non-alcoholic products with alcohol products is hitting to a degree that we've never seen before. Definitely in recent times, we're seeing um, we're seeing many products that are in traditional CSD sets start to partner up with beverage alcohol companies, coming to market with products that people are familiar with those brands. Mm-hmm. So it has a, a natural attraction to say, let me try that product. Now that it has alcohol in it, what is that going to be like?
0: Yeah, I think isn't the Topo Chico um, hard seltzer is one of our rising stars, a product we're totally keeping our eye on. Yeah.
1: Topo Chico may be the next high noon, right, in in the growth that we're seeing. It certainly is doing that on a weekly basis. It's been a fantastic product um, over the course it's been launched. So I think we'll continue to see products like that. Um, I think that premium and value are both opportunities. And and again, why? Because I I don't think premium is going away. But yet I think that value could have a resurgence, especially if, again, the employment data starts to come in and, and starts to have more people aware of what they're spending. And then, as you say, the better for you. That's a possible area to look into Along with e-commerce, as you noted, they're both relatively low bases, but that only presents a greater opportunity for expansion, right? I think both of those could be huge areas that we look at. And then, um, I would close out by, by offering maybe a fifth, which would be just on all of those above that promotion is still key. Through the pandemic, we started to get away from promotions largely because one didn't necessarily have to, right? People were buying what they could get, loading up the car, weren't necessarily thinking about how much they're paying or which one item is on promotion, which one do they see. They were grabbing and going. People just wanted to get out. But now we've come back to the age of promotion. People want are attracted to that. So that's something I think that one needs to continue to look at from, from this point moving forward.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, particularly on the topic of promotion, you know, as we get into harder economic times and we're feeling it in the packet book every week, um, people are shopping around. And if you want to keep those valued shoppers coming to you, you have to have the deals because they're out there looking for deals and they'll go where the deals are. Um, So, Scott, just to to recap, um, I loved what you talked about in terms of like Better For You and how you're seeing Better For You play out across all categories, you know, from ice cream all the way up to beverage alcohol. And, but like e commerce, it's starting from a pretty small base. The growth is significant for both, um, but there is definitely solid growth in both of those. Um, I really like the notion of premium and how beverage alcohol has been um, kind of maybe more insulated from inflation because of it, you know, that it's a a mini vacation, as you said, Um, definitely an affordable indulgence. And and I think that even it's stronger, maybe, because on-premise hasn't bounced back the way that we would have anticipated. And I want to just offer you, you know, Forgiveness of yourself for not predicting some horrific things because, you know, it happened, but quit beating yourself up. And then just um, some of the opportunities that you've identified for growth moving forward. So those ready to drink options, um, particularly the conversions with alcohol and non-alcohol. And I think that that kind of lends itself a little bit to your better for you. Um, opportunity too. There's a lot of of mixed play there Um, that while premium is always going to be strong, you think that with inflation, value is going to be a big deal. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on. And with value, um, I think, again, maybe e-commerce has a, a more important role there too, because people can just shop around online, learn more, but also see where the deals are. Um, but wherever you are shopping, um, people are going to be expecting to see promotions. So with that, um, I want to thank you for your time again. Um, I welcome or encourage everyone to go to our website, iriworldwide.com, to look at Scott's amazing uh, mid-year beverage alcohol report. It's just chock full of some fantastic um, stories. And Scott, I look forward to... Um, talking with you again about one of my favorite topics.
1: Thanks, Joe. Appreciate the time.
0: Okay. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insight. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.